0: you're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today my guest is Kim Eng. Kim is a counselor and spiritual teacher whose Presence Through Movement workshops focus on the integration of mind, body, and spirit. With Sounds True, Kim has created several programs, including two DVD programs of her Presence Through Movement practices, one program on Qi Flow Yoga and also a DVD on Yin Yoga. Kim has also created two audio learning programs, Meditations for a New Earth and Resist Nothing, guided meditations to heal the pain body. Kim is also a featured teacher at EckhartTolleTV.com. EckhartTolleTV is an online subscription website which focuses on offering new monthly video teachings with Eckhart Tolle. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Kim and I talked about how to dissolve what Eckhart calls the pain body, the accumulated pain of our past that Eckhart believes can manifest as a sort of semi-autonomous being. And Kim talks about how the pain body can sometimes be released through movement. We also talked about the discovery of the inner body, or a sense of inner aliveness, and what it might mean to be present through grief and loss. Here's my conversation with Kim Ng. My name's Tammy Simon, and I'm the host of a podcast series called Insights at the Edge. And today we're recording Insights at the Edge on the set of Eckhart Tolle TV, and my guest is Kim Ng. Welcome, Kim.
1: Thank you, Tammy. Nice to be here with you. Wonderful.
0: I want to start by talking a little bit about the origin for you of your work with Presence Through Movement. So my understanding is that after you met Eckhart, you were meditating, and you started finding yourself moving into spontaneous forms, spontaneous postures and movements. And I'm curious to hear the story of what actually happened here.
1: Okay. Um, Well, as you said, I had a regular sitting meditation practice, sitting cross-legged on the floor with my cushion. And... um, I don't know what happened one time. I was just sitting there and I could feel this energy in me. And I thought, okay, do I sit through this? How, you know, in sitting meditation, you just kind of allow things just to be. Um, and I couldn't. It just moved me. It literally moved me. There was no stopping it. Um, and I just found myself just sort of, sort of just moving while well seated, just going very, very slow. And it would just, it almost felt like as if it was like an unwinding. Hmm. But then gradually, as I mean, over time, every time when I came to this seated meditation posture, after 15 minutes or so, sometimes only five minutes, it's like it would well up again inside me, this energy, and I would move. And then soon I would actually be up on my feet. And I would just move with this energy. It was like, It was moving me. And um, I would also do it during, like, say, um, Eckhart had um, retreats, and I would be meditating outside, and I would just be moving, and people would come to me and say, Oh, you do Tai Chi. And I'm like, No, I don't do Tai Chi. And um, I just would move. And we were actually at a Costa Rica retreat, and somebody said... Will you lead a class doing this? And I'm like, geez, I don't even know how to lead a class in doing this. I have no idea. It was just something that my body was doing, and I was present with it. And as I was doing it, I would receive sort of insights would come. And then also, other times, I'd be in meditation, and I would be doing yoga postures. And this is before I even knew there was a yin yoga. But the energy would hold me in a posture for like 15, sometimes even 20 minutes. It would just hold me there in a posture. And I realized that it was like energy that was releasing from my body in between my joints and just the connective tissues. You can just feel energy just releasing.
0: You know, one of the things I've always been curious about is the origin of yoga, the origin of Tai Chi and qigong, And thousands of years ago, how did these particular postures, how were they discovered? And it sounds to me in in your story that you sort of had your own intuitive way into discovering certain postures. And I'm curious about that. What your own experience tells you about the origin of these disciplines? I believe the origin came from stillness.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think it was just created out of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I know that is because it happened to me. Like I had no idea, you know, how to do Tai Chi. Um, I, I, I knew about yoga. I did some yoga, but I didn't know about yin yoga. So I believe that it was out of a state of stillness that the the form just... I can just say Mm -hmm. it just was created. And what I realized was that, wow, if this can arise out of stillness, then you can use this exercise, if you want to call it that, to return to stillness. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's what it is. I mean, yoga is... You know, the, the union with the divine, you know, the meaning of yoga. And same with Tai Chi. It's connecting with this energy that you are and moving from that place. So by doing these forms that are aligned with stillness. And if you're doing it to return to stillness, it's a spiritual practice. But if you use these forms just for pure exercise or physical fitness, then what you can do, um, you know, you're you're really missing the essence Mm -hmm. of what the practice is, Mm -hmm. the origin of the practice.
0: I'd be curious to know in your experience, both as a practitioner and as a teacher, What's the litmus test for when you're, quote-unquote, exercising, just trying to, you know, feel better in your body, you're exercising, you're running, stretching, and when you're engaging in, quote-unquote, presence through movement? How do you know the difference? You know this difference is if you're judging yourself.
1: You're comparing yourself. So, for example... If I'm in a class or something, and I'm saying, "Oh wow, you know, I did it better yesterday," or "Boy, I can get down more um, two weeks ago than I can today," or this person over here is, "Wow, they're they're really advanced." Um, also, there, the, you're not your mind is thinking. You could be thinking about what am I going to make for dinner, or I'm you know yesterday, the future, or whatever. There's there needs to be a sense of being present, so present so that everything in the room dissolves, and that you are one with your breath, one with the energy that's in your body, and accepting where you are at the present moment because every day is going to be different when you do a practice. There's so many things that happen in the day that causes stress to our bodies. So every day is going to be different. One day you're going to be able to touch your toes. The next day you won't be able to, or we injure ourselves some way. So it's, it's being present with what is accepting it so much so that you don't want it to change at all. That's really true acceptance that you're willing to experience this forever, really, but nothing is forever. As all forms change, it's impermanent, so it comes and goes. And you're just with it. Okay, this is as far as I can go today. So I'm in a pose. I'm resting in that pose and allowing the present moment and your body to open as you accept. And when you accept, it's like this opening begins to happen in your whole energy field in your body that then takes you deeper and it's like thai, as same with tai chi too you know there's there's movements where you you know you could squat down really low or something or you're moving and or you got a sore shoulder and you can't move like at the moment right now i actually do have a sore shoulder so some you know good days i can stretch my arm wide other days i can't so but you're just You're just going with it. You're just like, oh, okay. It's just like follow follow the energy in the present moment without any force. There's no force. No force to Tai Chi. No force to Yin Yoga. It's just this ease of being and movement.
0: Do you think that there was something in you're connecting with Eckhart and spending a lot of time with him that sort of amplified or increased the amount of energy that was running through your body such that your sitting meditation practice shifted in this way? I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a hard one to answer. Yeah we don't have a parallel world in which we could... Exactly. ...see what might have happened otherwise. Let me just go there quickly and I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I'm curious if you have a kind of go-to posture. You know, it's often people have their sort of their go-to move. Like this is the... When I'm stressed out or at the end of the day, this is the thing that I, I go to first a lot of the time. Do you have something like that?
1: Um, I have several like that uh-huh. because some, some days something may work another day that same thing that yesterday didn't work let's all try something out so there's several of them the first one that i will go to is just actually just sitting meditation and allowing the energy to rise again and just flow with that energy even flow with it if it comes out vocally sometimes mm. it will come out vocally for mm. me mm. And I'm moving, and I'm actually voicing a sound. Mm. Um, I actually love that one for some reason. Sometimes I sound like some sort of native Indian or something, Mm. you know, making a call or a a blessing or something. Um, And then if I find that I just, whew, I can't even sit there to get the energy moving in me, and it's not me that gets it moving, but that I just can't quiet myself down I'll do some breathing you know um, like one of them could be (laughs) just to let out all the excess energy Um, and then doing nostril breathing alternate nostril breathing breathing in through one side closing off this side and exhaling out the other nostril Breathing in through the nostril, closing. And that calms me down then so that I can just sit and reconnect with stillness. Uh, The energy that arises is also a connection to stillness because how I sense it is that it's the purest life energy, so energy is form, purest life form arising from stillness. And stillness is always in this sort of, even though it's this vast, you can call it emptiness, there's still a lot of energy and potential there, so both exist. It's the yin and yang. Both exist. Just as form and formlessness exists. So it's the purest life form. Arising and then creativity comes out of that. I believe that this, the, this is the state where artists can paint, musicians can get into their music and just play.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I'm very curious about, you know, when I had the chance for Eckhart Tolle TV to interview Eckhart about the awakening, quote unquote, experience that he had when he was 29. You know, I was asking him for more details about exactly what happened because I was so curious about knowing you know, as much nuance as possible. And he didn't add a lot of color to the story, the story as it's written in just a few paragraphs in The Power of Now, but he did add one detail that I'm curious about that I want to talk about, which is that when he awakened the next morning, after this experience through the night, he had a sense of the aliveness of the inner body and that that's something that never left him. And I'm curious to know from your experience of movement, what you sense and feel as the inner body. And is that something that you tune to regularly or what's it like for you? Mm hmm.
1: Well, I believe that what he's experiencing is what I experience when I go into that deep state of movement meditation. You know, the presence through movement. Um, Because it's alive. It's like, you're just so, it's vibrating inside. It's not only vibrating, but it's connected. I I have the sense of this arm is just the extension of this flower, is the extension of you, is the extension of this room. There, there's no separation, nothing. It's only the mind that I see when I'm in this movement and I, as I move. It's only the mind that creates this division, the separation.
0: So the inner body is a very alive and vibrant and sort of pulsating experience for you
1: yeah yeah
0: and can you feel it all the time <laughs> can you tune into it just in a moment
1: yeah i'm tuning into it right now yeah and when you can i do it all the time like say yeah. if i'm stressed and and under sure. a lot of stress um no no i'll have to go and sit and be quiet somewhere to be able to tune that in but it's my practice it's still a practice right you know uh, awakening Often doesn't happen for most people overnight, like it did Eckhart. Yeah, it's usually a gradual process for for many of us.
0: So, when you tune into the inner body in a moment like this moment, what do you do? What's the turning action that you make?
1: I go inward. Um, how do, how can you best describe it? I think that's what we all try to point to, right? As as teachers, is pointing to something that is really unseen. Um. I turn my attention into my body. I don't even sometimes, although a lot of people, as in meditation, the first thing you connect with is your breath, sometimes I don't even have to connect to my breath. It's just a matter of, I, sometimes I do, but many times it's just a matter of, oh, just tune into my body and it's there. Yeah. And it's perhaps because I've done it enough times to feel it, I know what it feels like, I can just connect with it. If I'm just sitting here or if I'm teaching. Yeah. Or I'm at home.
0: You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. Sounds True hosts an annual wake-up festival, a five-day experience of transformation, held in August of each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. This is a gathering of spiritual teachers, artists, poets, and anyone interested in the many faces of awakening. For more information about the wake-up festival, please visit soundstrue.com forward slash wake-up. And now back to Insights at the Edge. From the uh, purest life form, I want to talk about hives. I want to talk about (laughs) hives because I, I remember you describing how, once again, as you were discovering these presence through movement postures and starting to spend longer and longer time in some of these yin yoga postures that your body actually started breaking out in hives and not just like once or twice, but over the period of a year. Yeah, And, and I That's wonder true. if you can share with us a little bit about what you think was going on. Okay.
1: Um, well, at first when it started, I didn't know what was going on. All I know is that I couldn't help myself, but I had to, when I would meditate, I would just end up in a pose, so I couldn't stop that. I mean, I could, I suppose, if I really wanted to, but yeah. it was just like I was too in that state, you know, of that divine essence. That no, I'm going there. I'm just staying in, it. and I would, I would, I would start breaking out in hives. So this on your, happened. On your
0: arms, on your legs, on your whole um, body, yeah.
1: Everywhere. Big hives, small
0: hives, let's sometimes get it. Right sometimes big,
1: sometimes small. Okay. All sometimes over. just yeah. a little bit, and other times, oh my. whoa, it was a lot. Yeah. So That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then probably after oh, a month or maybe even two months, I just sort of said to Eckhart, I said, Wow, you know what? I'm doing these poses that I end up in meditation with, and I'm you know, and, and every time I do it, I break out in hives. And he goes, Oh, well, hmm. He goes, well, you know what? You're getting more and more conscious, more you're awakening more, and maybe the pain body isn't grabbing you so much so I'm not reacting, so it's the energy of the pain body. And he says, maybe it's the pain body energy releasing. And when he said that, you know how when somebody says something, you just know it's right. So when he said it, I just knew that that was it. I knew that was right. So I just continued. I just continued with my poses. Couldn't help it. We just did. And after a year it stopped.
0: So tell me a little bit more about how you understand that the pain body releasing in the form of hives. Like what's your understanding of that? Okay. Um,
1: my experience of that one time I was sitting in meditation after I was starting to feel like the pain body starting to come up and I sat with the, the energy, the pain body, because I could feel it in the body. You can actually feel it in the
0: body. So, and well, let's, sometimes let's, it causes so let's, pain. let's slow down because, it, it's first of all, it's possible that some of our listeners don't know what the pain body is. And okay. then when you say that you can feel it, mm-hmm. tell me what you mean by that. So both. You okay, know. so the pain body is the accumulation
1: of old emotional wounds. So every emotion and every thought Is an energy. So, and as we know, energy, just like water, we can say when we when we boil water, it becomes steam, but it's still water. So, the thoughts, the emotions that we've accumulated because we haven't been able to deal with it, say at the time, and it's stored within our, could be cellular structure within our bodies in our memories, in our minds, so it's stored. And it gets activated. As Eckhart says, it lies dormant sometimes and then it will get activated, whether it's through somebody saying something to you or your perception perceives something a certain way and then it can get activated. So when it activated in me one time and I sat with it because I thought I'm going to be present with this and I just sat with it in meditation and feeling this energy and I actually felt it right in here I could feel the energy of it because it's like this big energy ball so sitting in meditation I also watched the thoughts that came up the story that I had around this pain that I was experiencing And what I saw was that it's like the thought would come, and I saw myself believing in that thought, and as soon as I believed in that thought, it was just like, the energy of that thought went, grabbed on to this energy that I was feeling already right here. And suddenly I had this, uh, it was one of those aha moments, because what Eckhart talks about is... feeding the pain body, how we feed the pain body. And I realized, oh, that's what Eckhart means by feeding the pain body. It's like with my own thought, I fed it, I made it grow within me. And when I realized that, it was this, at that moment, I was able to just watch the thoughts. I allowed the story to play out without any attachment or belief to it. Just what, what, what are these thoughts behind this? pain body i'm feeling just allow them to run i just allowed them to run and it was just like they ran and then this dissolved within me the energy just went poof.
0: yeah No. okay so here's something that's interesting to me you know i've talked to a lot of different people just about emotions in the body and they'll talk about how you know, shame might feel like something in the stomach, and, you know, anger might feel like a heat or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in Eckhart's teaching, there's this semi-autonomous being. I mean, that's the way he describes the pain body, is this sort of like a being. And all of these feelings are kind of wrapped into this being called the pain body. And I guess I'm curious... Uh, experiencing it as a being, a semi-autonomous being, versus just like, oh, the body is having an emotional passage of some kind. How you see the difference in those two approaches.
1: Okay. Um, I believe he uses the word entity rather than being. Uh, And what I see him yeah, meaning in that, yeah, is that it? It can't it like it takes you over because it's an identification with a story, with your thoughts, with an emotion. So if you're identified with it, there's no, there's no, there's no um, sense of that stillness. So you believe it's you. So then you act from that place. I don't even want to say act. You react yeah from that place so that so that pain body, that entity, which is really is like the form of the ego, is in reaction mode, so it reacts so it almost like it has a mind of its own, and yeah. in a way it does because you're operating from this 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 state of reactivity, from this state of pain because we begin to perceive it colors the true vision of reality so if we were abandoned for instance if we were abandoned when we were a child yeah by one of our parents and we grow up and we haven't dealt through that we had nobody to help us through it or anything like that and you know, we begin to perceive so any relationship we have, like say if it was your father who left, we begin to begin to feel afraid that the person that we're with is going to abandon us. And we might even set it up so they will abandon us. So it's like re experiencing that again, because that's how we see begin to see life. It's our filters.
0: Okay. So whether someone experiences it as an entity or they're just aware of the fact that they're being taken over by a sense of being troubled deeply, sensations that are so uncomfortable and troubling and thoughts that are so troubling that you just want to sort of jump in the toilet and flush it, that kind of feeling. Let's just call it that. What would be your recommendation for what to do sort of on the spot when we feel that way? Well, the moment
1: that if you can recognize that you're about to have a pain body attack or, or you're having you feel the pain, you're in it. You're if in you're it. in it, if you're lost in it, you're probably lost. There's no, there's no awareness so it's almost like you have to write. Actually, this happened to me. Early in our relationship, I had a pain body attack. Yeah. And Eckhart was trying to help me to become present. Yeah. And I couldn't. But there was there was a little bit, but I just couldn't. And he says, you'll have to ride it out because that'll happen. I mean, you, it's, you, nobody is ever 100% of the time in their life living in their pain body. So we do have moments of grace (laughs) where it's, you know, like, well, we're not in it. So if you are completely lost and there's no awareness at all, it's like you do have to ride it out. But once you ride it out and you begin that awareness begins to come back is then it's almost like there's also a need, I think, that. You'll need to forgive yourself because oftentimes the mind will come back in and the ego will come back in with, say, shame or guilt or something. So it's like the ego coming in through the back door to say, Oh, look, you blew it. You're not awakening. You're not aware. and You're not even, you're not doing, you know, it's not enough. So we have to be vigilant and be aware that, okay, that's, that's the mind again. That's the ego coming in through the back door. And just come into this, okay, feeling the body again. Going back into stillness, feeling the energy body. Doing what helps you to become more present. So if you have not completely lost it, then you have some awareness, say, as the pain body begins to arise and there's awareness, then you can go into that meditation, similar to like what I had done. I I took that pain and went into meditation, just watched it, observed it, felt it. So it's coming up. If you resist it in the moment, then it'll just persist. So if you can just be the space and allow the feeling without reaction to be there and the thoughts to come without identifying and reacting to it then it's it's just something that just needs to be played out and let go of because it's this it's like holding down you know, a bunch of balloons, you know, with helium in it, and you're holding it down and holding it, you know, one day you're going to get tired holding it down. It'll just pop. It'll just come out. Or it's like popcorn, you know, holding, it just needs to pop out sometimes in order to release it. And we do need to release it because most of us, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It's a process.
0: Now, how do you know the difference inside yourself of when you're having a pain body attack and when you're just experiencing an emotion that is maybe perfectly appropriate to a situation, like you're angry because somebody crossed a certain boundary or you're sad about the loss of something. I mean, that's not necessarily, quote unquote, the pain body, is it? Or how do you understand no,
1: that? No, there are there are normal emotions that happen to situations which usually when they happen, they, they, there's just the energy and the emotion there. But if you find yourself going into a story about it, like, oh, he shouldn't do that, or this shouldn't happen, and there's just this story, and it, the energy of it, the emotion, lingers on and on and on, then it probably tapped into you. It probably triggered an old emotional wound. Because usually, if you can, if you're present with something fresh emotion, uh, emotion that's fresh, there's no pain body attached to it. You can actually process it within 30 seconds. Sometimes not. Sometimes a little longer. But it usually oh comes up. You feel it. You might look at it, see what where it's pointing to. What's the wisdom behind it? What message does it have to give you? Insights. And it's gone. But if it activates something where you are just over the top angry, over something small, then you know that it was activated, the pain body, and something old.
0: This idea of uh, feeding the pain body and... uh dissolving the pain body, I see in, in my mind when I hear those kinds of words, like some kind of, and uh, you talk about an entity, like some kind of like small monster or something. And I'm wondering, do you have a visual image for the pain body that, that you work with or that lives in you?
1: Do I have a visual? If I had a, it would go, it's almost like, a, you know, it just, it just gets you and it just grabs you and the whole body just contracts and and the thoughts keep coming and your face starts you know Argh. that's a visual
0: and would you say in your own life from this time of having hives whenever that was when this energy was just leaving your body spontaneously to now that there's been some kind of progression for you in working with the pain body? I mean, do you think there's, is, has it been like a dissolution process or how would you describe that? Um, I would have probably said
1: a few years ago that it was dissolving and dissolving and it wasn't coming back. And then it's almost like, you know how Ram Dass would say, if you think you're enlightened, go home, and go visit your parents. Well, if you think it's gone, like life will bring you something to activate to see what's still left. And this is, it's actually a, a, a beautiful blessing if we can view it that way, because it's showing, life is showing you where you're still holding on, where there's still a so called you, ego, entity that's there. And it just, you know, shows you that. And it's it's beautiful. So it's like, okay, more work to be done. And is it really work? I begin to wonder, is it really work or is it just happening in the moment? Because, you know, I'm not gripped by the pain body all the time. Nobody is gripped by the pain body all the time. But yet when it shows up, if we can think of it as having, if we think of it as I want it to be gone forever, I never want it to come up again, then you're not not truly present because you're still living in past and you're still living in future. If you can just see it as, oh, it's here. Okay, this is what I've got to deal with right now in this moment. And that's fine. And you go on. It leaves. You go on through your day. And then weeks, months, maybe I'd even go by and it comes up again. Okay. So it comes up again.
0: So you were saying that in the past year, certain challenging situations occurred or that it brought you to realize, can you just talk a little bit more about that?
1: Well, challenges, um, say for example, I've I've had to go back into sort of doing business work in this last year because we've had some changes and and I mean I even though I can do it I don't do it well. It's like it, it reminds me of um, Eckhart. He was uh, having that dialogue with the, the the Dalai Lama in Vancouver at this uh, peace summit, and he was given a talk and he was and he was saying how you know how presence. You know, is and how it works. And he goes, Now, that doesn't mean that um, if you give me a, like, you know, I can't even remember what he said, but this is just something that's coming to mind. But it's like, you, you can't give him like a baseball and a baseball bat and think he's going to, because he's present, he can become really good at this. Sure. You know, and, and
0: he'll sure. become
1: a baseball pro. Sure. Um, and it's not his calling. Yeah. It's not what I mean, he shies away from business. I mean, yeah. It's like you go, No way, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And it's 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 like with me, I don't want to do it. But sometimes life puts you in situations where, well, you there's nobody else, so you have to do it. And it activated some childhood stuff for me. Yeah. You know, um, because when I was younger, I I was I was I, w- I was, I had to work. Our family had a business, only 12 years old, and I had to work. So that was my life, you know? So there was, you know, not going into a big story, but I had stuff come up around that. Yeah. So when I was thrown back into sort of a business working world, like my family sort of business working world when I was a child, things get activated. I went, wow, I've got more stuff here you know it's easy just meditating or you know teaching about this presence and the stillness and the energy but this is still more stuff and it's my everyday life so now i'm thrown into being able to practice becoming still and shedding those the the old energy of that pain body and just be with it. Like, I mean, it's coming up so I can let go of it, which is the beautiful gift. You know, if this didn't happen, then I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't even know that it was there. But obviously, it's something that still holds me back. So in order to then be completely free and live in the the freedom that we truly are, we really have to let go of everything. 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 So we have no attachments.
0: Well, one of the things I hear in what you're saying that I think is really beautiful, which is a different way of looking at things, is that when the pain body does come up, instead of having the response, oh, darn, I still have this hungry pain body, we could say, oh, something in me is ready now to be let go of because I'm aware of this thing. And so we could actually turn it around. And that's a pretty powerful move that you're pointing to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we can turn it around. But the, 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 also we can't n- ever, ever expect that it will be gone because we just don't know. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. I mean, Eckhart has often said there's many spiritual teachers out there, and but sometimes the ego can come back. And he realizes that within himself too. He doesn't know. How can we know this? Yeah. How can we know how empty we really are? Because that is the, call it a state, but it's not a state. A state of stillness, of consciousness, is this emptiness. So that life can use this form to whatever it wants to create
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Kim, there's one more topic I'd like to talk with you about, which is I know that in the past year of your life, there have been some big losses that your father has passed, and that Maya, the adorable King Charles spaniel, has also passed. And I'm curious through those two experiences what you can share with us about presence through loss
1: yeah finding that peace the peace and that they just don't leave (laughs) I mean I still feel them I learned that even though the form is gone like when my father passed and it was only maybe a couple of days or something like that and here it was, I was just, you know, thinking about in my thought, the realization of, wow, I will never see him again. In form, I'll never see him again. And I felt this tremendous sadness and loss, and I just allow myself to feel it, the grief of it. And suddenly there was this peace that was there. It was just the peace that passes all understanding, it was just so profound, so deep, and the realization and the connection that, oh my God, he isn't gone because I could just sense the energy of him. I could still sense him. I can still sense Maya. I can still almost hear them sometimes. I, that's something else. I don't know if we want to go into that, but <laughs> you know, um, messages, you know, and, and stuff mm-hmm. communicating. And it just takes you deeper because all, all forms, all spiritual teaching is the, the, the detachment do not be attached. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the attachment, but that we eventually have to let things go because all forms dissolve sooner or later. You know, if we're holding on to something so tight, there's going to be a lot of suffering when that form leaves. But if we can just go, wow, it's gone. There's just this emptiness that's here. The form is gone. And we feel the emptiness. So feel the sadness, which is the emptiness, because the form is gone. You'll arrive to this peace. And it's like, wow, this is wonderful, this is great. There's a loss, but there's no loss. There's a sadness, but there's no sadness. Mm -hmm. So the sadness is there, and the peace is there.
0: Now, one of the things I just want to check out with you is here there's this grief or sadness, and you mentioned that you went into it. And so part of what I want to understand is the difference between doing that and feeding the pain body? And how might somebody know if they themselves are in a process of grief over something that they're losing, a person or an animal companion, someone, something they really care about, when is that feeding the pain body and when is that a natural process that absolutely needs to be engaged with? When there's
1: resistance to what is. So somebody is passing away. They're still maybe in form, but they're passing away. And there's resistance to them passing away. So it's like, I don't want you to go. You know, could be one thought. Or like, no, what am I going to do? And you just get so wrapped up into the form. Like, say, for example, when I experience the grief and the sadness at that realization that I'll never, ever see my father again. I could have gone one of two ways, which is, one, my, all my attention awareness and, atta- and identification goes on to the emotion. Okay? There was sadness. Why was there sadness? Because I'll never see him again. What does that mean? There's an emptiness there. But instead, what I did was that I actually went into the feeling of the emptiness, which was still sadness, because sadness was there. So I was able to see both of them, the emotion, the strong emotion of grief and sadness, and also the formless, gone, the emptiness that's gone. Whoo, okay. So I went into, what does this emptiness feel like? So it actually went through, so in other words, the emptiness is here, okay? It's all around, so it's not like they're two separate things. The emptiness through, here's the form that came up. So it's like going through the sadness and also because I could see the emptiness going right through the sadness and straight into the emptiness and going right into that and then there was peace. There was just this profound peace and profound knowing that my father, the form left, yes, Never left. He's here. Right here. Although I'll never see him again. But he's right here.
0: How do you experience that? That he's right here? A
1: feeling. It's a feeling. A sensing. And sometimes something um, will come through in in a, in a word, in a message.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Kim, I just want to ask one final question here. Uh, <laughs> this show is called Insights at the Edge. And I'm always curious to know what somebody's personal edge is, if you will. And what I mean by that is just what the sense is for you of your own kind of growing edge of discovery. So I'm curious how you'd respond to that.
1: Oh, every moment I think. I think I'm always on the edge. The edge is the unknown. That's the edge. Can, you be, can we be comfortable on that edge of the unknown? Not knowing what's going to happen. Can we get out of that thinking mind of wanting to know? what's going to happen in the next moment or having these expectations you see that go in your head and and letting that all go and f- fully be here. I mean, can we do this in every moment? Can I do this in every moment? I mean, this is it's an edge. It's an edge right now. Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
0: I've been speaking with Kimming and with Sounds True, Kim has created... Two DVDs, Chi Flow Yoga and Yin Yoga, as well as two audio programs Meditations for a New Earth and Resist Nothing Guided Meditations to Heal the Pain Body. And she's also a featured contributor at Eckhart Tolle TV, which is an online video subscription service with new monthly teachings. And I kind of think of it as Eckhart Tolle's Mystery School. And if you're interested in more information, you can go to Eckharttolle.com. Kim, thanks for being with us on Insights at the Edge. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thank you.